Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So I'm just going to dive right in. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. Turn to your other neighbor and say, are you ready? If you do have a notepad, please break it out with a pen. Get your Bibles ready because this is something you're going to want to spend some time. Come on later on and you're going to want to go back and look at some of these things. And so we're in a series. We're continuing, continuing that series on unveiling faith. And we're answering questions that not only people in the church are asking, but culture is asking. I don't know if you realize this, but even people that have had nothing to do with faith... They, they think that, you know, a relationship with Jesus is only for weak-minded people. Um, you know, you, you, you don't have enough in yourself, so you've got you've to serve a God. And, and so anyway, I'm just saying that the world, uh, uh, the, the happenings in the world, it's, it's gaining some ground and grabbing some attention. And so people that haven't contemplated the things of God are now asking questions and they're, they're alert and they're aware. And anyway, one of the topics that always comes up in the church because people don't quite understand it. And then also it happens outside of the church because people don't understand it is, um, is the topic of the Holy ghost. And, uh, before I dive any further, I want you to be praying for the Meyer family Jeanette Meyer last night went to be with the Lord. She's been battling some health conditions, but uh, she is in the presence of Jesus. And let me just tell you this, that, um, that I had a chance to pray with her uh, several different times, and there was no fear on, you know, when it was time to transition. But how many of you know David's going to need some love? And how many of you know David's going to need some support and maybe some meals and, and some things like that? But don't hesitate to give a phone call or, or um, I, I don't know, they're kind of private. I wouldn't stop by. I just wouldn't stop by. But, but if you want to go see him, make sure and call, and, and, uh, and I think that would go a long way. Amen? How many of you know we need to be there for one another? All right. So um, we're in this series. We're going to talk about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit today. I want to say this right out of the gate, that um, I am thankful for my upbringing. I was raised in a church that we talked about the Holy Ghost a lot, like everything was about the Holy Spirit, and, and he was interwoven through, through every aspect of our, of, our, of our church, and I'm grateful, absolutely grateful for that, and I realize that there are people you know what I mean? That didn't have the same upbringing. They didn't have the same, the same focus on the Holy Spirit. And so, um, in fact, some of you have been raised in churches. Honestly, this has been the approach. So we're way over here. Man, everything's about the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. You were raised in a church. It's like, listen, if you have somebody that's too focused on the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, like stay away from those people. And that's the truth. Some of you were raised in that way in certain churches. And so my desire here over these next 40 minutes is really to whet your appetite to desire more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, I'm only going to be able to scratch the surface and, 
these few moments. And so what I want to do is I want to give you some resources that you can purchase on your own and, and you can walk through that will help you understand the Holy Spirit a little bit more. And um, one of those is by uh, a pastor called Pastor Robert Morris, and he has written a book. It's an incredible book. It's called The God That I Never Knew. Now, Pastor Robert was raised in a church that literally was one of those churches that was like, listen, anything that has to do with that Holy Ghost, you stay away from the Holy Ghost. And so he came and grew up knowing and walking and having a relationship, come on with God the Father, God the Son, but kind of left God the Holy Spirit in the back room someplace. And so he had a, a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, and out of that he's written this book. And so that would be a good book for you to, to read and to check out. And then you can also read just about anything from Jack Hayford that has to do with the Holy Spirit. And there's other great authors out there as well. But I just want you to know this, that, that we're not going to be able to do justice this morning what needs to be done, and there are incredible resources out there. And so Jack Hayford, anything that has to do with the Holy Spirit by him. So the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and I don't know, man. So, so the, I cut my teeth on the King James Bible and then have gone away from the King James Bible, not as my primary um, uh, a Bible that I read. And the only reason is, is because there's better language, language typically that we use today. But I'm telling you, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I had several Bibles, every single one of them were King James Bibles. And so I learned God's word, or at least the beginning of it in and through the King James Bible. And I'm bringing back the Holy Ghost. We talk about Holy Spirit and a lot of other things, but, but I love, I just love the Holy Ghost. When I was raised, it was about the Holy Ghost. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. And I'm bringing the Holy Ghost back. And I know ghosts can be scary. You know what I mean? Sheets and everything and all that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, man, let's bring the Holy Ghost back. Matter of fact, if you're used to saying Holy Spirit, it would just make me so happy if you'd start saying Holy Ghost. Let's be a church that says Holy Ghost. Amen. You can say the Holy Spirit if you're not quite there yet, but I'm believing that you're going to get on board with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. All right. Perfect. But the true thing is, is neither of these words, ghost or spirit, really describes come on the original language. And so to get the original language, you got to get into the Hebrew, you got to get into the, into the Greek. And so when you look these up, the, the, the Hebrew word for Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost is the word ruach, ruach. And this is the definition of ruach. It is a wind and a violent exhalation, a blast of breath. And then if you look in the Greek, which is the New Testament, for spirit or, or Holy Ghost, it is the word pneuma. And this is where we get the word pneumonia. It has to do with breath in our lungs, but this is the definition. It says this, a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. And so literally like a, a better, from what I can tell in my limited ability to define, a better definition would be holy wind or holy breath but it just doesn't sound as good as Holy Ghost. And so we're going to remain with Holy Ghost. You understand? And so we see this actually in the very first verse of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. It says this, Now the earth was formless 
and empty. Darkness was over the whole surface of the deep. And the ruach, come on, the, the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Come on, that's the word ruach, which is a wind, a violent exhalation, or a blast of breath. John 6 and 63, Jesus says this. He says, the words that I have spoken to you are, it's breath. But we interpret that. We say, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. What happens whenever you lose your breath? You lose your life. People that typically stop breathing die. Right? And so there's the interpretation there. The words that I've spoken to you, what it really means is. <sighs> See, it doesn't just make sense in our mind, but this is something the Holy Ghost, it's not just for you to be able to make sense in your mind, but it's something that you can feel, and the Holy Ghost is supposed to be refreshing. Pastor Daryl, an overseer of mine, um, he pastored for over 25 years in Alaska and did some pastoring in Phoenix, Arizona and some other different places. And, and anyway, he started a para-ministry. It's called the My360 Project. We're big supporters of that here where we, where we put shoes on children's feet because so much disease in third world countries comes through the feet. And so, so we've been on mission trips and we've been a part of that as a church and it's been pretty cool. But as an overseer, like when he stopped pastoring and he started going to some different churches, like one day out of the blue, he just called me. He said, Travis, you got a moment. I said, man, I got more than a moment for you. And he said, listen, I really want you to hear what I'm saying. I said, you got my attention. I'm all yours. And he said, listen, do not schedule the Holy Spirit out of the service. He said, so many churches that I go to, there's no room, there's no room for the Holy Ghost. And he said, you are one of the churches that, that I really feel, you know, continue to, to cry, try to create space for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do. And he said, don't lose that. And I said, absolutely, I won't. So you have full permission that if we ever schedule the Holy Ghost out of the service and we don't create space for that, you're more than welcome to come up and lightly, gently, very, very gently, slap me across my face, gently, not to the point where it hurts, but just enough to get my attention and say, hey, listen, we've been scheduling the Holy Ghost out of the service. Stop it. Are you going to do that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so it talks a lot about breath. It talks a lot about wind. And so you have to ask the question, if, it re, if it's relatable, the Holy Spirit is like wind, then what are the characteristics of wind? Number one, you can't always see wind. You can't see wind at all like you can see the effects of wind. And if there's dust in the wind, you can see it then. But you cannot see wind. But guess what you can do is you can feel it. This is going to mess with some of you because you're like, already, I don't even like where you're going. But how many of you as a kid remember standing out and you just got your, your finger all wet and then you stuck your finger up in the air and it was a way that you could see the direction that the wind was going? Why could you do that? Because you could feel, did anybody do that or was it just my generation? Anybody like, this is the participant, this is where we say, I, I did that too. You're not alone up there licking your finger and everything. I did that too. And so 
I just want you to realize that I understand if you're automatically, when I, when I said that, you're just like, well, I don't know if I want to be a feel it kind of person. Like, I understand that. And we don't live, we don't run on our feelings, right? But I can also tell you from time to time, it's really nice to know and to feel what it is that you're running on. And if you don't think that that's important, you're really, really missing out. Talk to somebody that has neuropathy. Somebody that, that has some sort of a nerve damage come on in their legs or in their feet. And if you don't think that that causes problems, a lot of times because they can't feel what it is that they're walking on or they can't feel what it is that they're running on, they're always come on in fear of tripping because there's no feel. So we don't run on our emotions. We don't run on our feelings. But from time to time, it sure is nice to feel the substance by which you're running on. Amen. Amen. So you, can, you can't see it, but you can feel it. There was a, a time a couple of years ago, right after services, right up in this area here, we had op opened up the altar and we were praying for people. And much like we do in most services, there were, there were people that coming up and usually what they want to do is just shake my hand, say, hey, thank you for that, or tell me how it ministered to them. And there was one guy that I wasn't really familiar with who he was, but he had this blank stare, blank look on his face, and he just said, "What?" Well, he came up to me, and I'm looking at him eyeball to eyeball, and he says, what was that? I said, what was what? He said, what was that? He said, I've been to a few different churches, and I've never experienced that, and I realized that that, that, what he was talking about was that of the Holy Spirit. And I said, hey, listen, that wasn't me, and it wasn't this church, that was the Holy Ghost. What you felt was the Holy Spirit. Come on, it was an experience. It was part of God giving you an experience of who he is. This is affirmed by Jesus in the book of John, chapter 14 and verse 17. It says this, that the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. How? for he lives with you and he will be in you. So let me just say this to you, come on, that are skeptical, for you that live in the safe zone, for you that will not allow yourself to really buy into something that you can't explain, let me just say this, do not limit your experiences by what you can see or understand. Do not limit your experiences of God by what you can see or what you can understand. Because if you really think that you can explain the depths of God, you've already lost it anyway. I honestly think that we're going to, in eternity, it's going to take us all eternity and we're going to continue to know more and more and more about him. So you're not a Christian just because, you're an because of your intellect and your understanding. Let me just say it again. You're not a Christian because of your intellect and your understanding. You are also a Christian because of your experiences. Because of your, use the word, feelings. John, in the book of John, <clears throat> he tells the story of a man that was blind for a long time. Believe it, he was blind from birth. And then all of a sudden... Jesus comes along and he's just professed to be God. If you've seen the father, you've seen me type of a deal. And he heals this blind man of his, of his blindness. He was once blind and now he sees. And so the religious 
rulers and the religious leaders, they were trying to entrap Jesus. And, and they were like, the man, is he professing to be God and this and that? And we heard that you're blind and, and this and that. And the, and the blind man that now sees, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know about all of that. All I know is I once was blind and now I See, this man became a follower of Jesus, not because he heard some great doctrine and, and he had everything come online out and, 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 and everything made sense to his mind and his ability to, to grasp and understand things. No, 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 no. This man became a follower of Jesus because of an experience that he had. And by no means am I saying that intellect and the word and all of these things like these are priority in fact if you're having a question as to what is what like get to the word and that's gonna that's gonna clear things up for you but see some of you you have shut the door on the holy ghost and you're only about the word of God. You're only about, you're only about what makes sense in your mind. You're only about the argument. And I'm just saying this, that you are limiting your life by not opening up your heart to the Holy Ghost and creating intimacy with the Holy Ghost in your life. Number two, wind is unpredictable. The problem is, is we love predictability. The problem is, is that we lean typically to the safe side of things. If we, if, if it, it, it might cost me too much, you know what I mean, to trust that much. I'm going to lean, come on, to the safe side of things. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. It might make me look funny. It might make me, you know, what are people going to think about me? So we don't like surprises, and so we shut the door to the Holy Ghost because he's full of them. John chapter 3 and verse 8, Jesus answered, the wind blows wherever it wants to, wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell whether it comes from, you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everybody that's born of the Spirit. And this is what walking with God is like. The Spirit goes wherever it pleases. And that means that if you're led by the Spirit, you go where the Spirit pleases, not where you please. And the problem with a lot of Christians today is Christians are doing this all the time. If you're a truck driver, this is called pumping the brakes. You know what I mean? God, give me all of that Holy Ghost as long as he be behaves himself, as long as I can control it. And I'm just saying this, that you can be saved and not have much to do with the Holy Ghost. You can be saved and have all kinds of problems in your marriage and you're going to heaven with a broken marriage. You can be saved and have all kinds of issues come on with your attitude you can have a poor attitude, a bad attitude. You can be saved and have pride in your life. But this is the deal. The Holy Ghost might be the very thing that, that heals you and restores you. Come on. And, and, and brings about the change in your life that you desire, but yet you're not willing to trust him in. I know for a fact 
because the Lord dropped it on my spirit. I was going to be talking directly to some folks this morning in this service. Usually we talk about those other people that are online, but I know for a fact I'm speaking to people this morning in this building right now that you have pushed the Holy Ghost as far away from you as possible. And you're okay with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I'm just saying this, that you're limiting your life. We like predictability. We want God to move the same that he moved yesterday because we can understand it. We like to confine God. And if God was like that, we would have the first and the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth church of the burning bush. But he only did it once. But yet we see how God moves and then we expect him to move it again and we shut off to the idea that he can do something different. And the problem is, is you're, you're thinking that you can predict as to what it is that he does and where it is that he goes and how it is that he goes there. Number three, the wind is powerful. We know the power of the wind in southern Idaho. If you have ever, ever had a trampoline that's, that you found like half a mile away from your house tied up in a knot, you know the power of the wind in our area. If you've had one of those little pop-up shade tent things, you've had 10 because one doesn't last very long. If you've had trees, big trees, big, big, big trees around your house. I look at this, this guy that's on the corner right here at 100 North and Meridian Road. He had, when we moved here, every tree was just mature and beautiful. He has about half the trees there now. And I think that it's because of our prayers. Every time I walk by and, or drive by and there's a, there's a windstorm, I'm like, dear Jesus, don't let one of those big trees fall on his house. I think the Lord's answered our prayers. It would scare me around this area to be surrounded by those kind of trees. Wait a second, I'm not scared of nothing. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. See, the wind does incredible things, right? It's powerful. There was one time this last year, even Jeff Sigmund and I, we were out golfing. We, he's one of my golf buddies and and I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you the truth. I can smash the ball for a 52-year-old man. Hey, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you the truth. I can smash it. Ask Troy. I'll be like, Troy, your ball's all the way back here. What's it doing back? Oh, where's, oh, there it is. <laughs> Mine's up there. I was, with, I was with Jeff, and we were golfing, and I'm telling you, man, I got into this one, and I just let it all out, swung out of my shoes, and I crushed it. And that ball was one of those balls that took off low. You know it's really good when it does this. It takes off low, and then it just climbs steadily, and you're just like, yeah. Wow. That's good work. And it got out there about 150 yards, and then all of a sudden it was doing something crazy. Like sometimes when you hit the ball bad, which I did not, I hit it in the sweet spot. Sometimes it'll tail off to the right or tail off to the left. But this just kept climbing, climbing, climbing. About 150, 200 yards out, I'm seeing this ball just kind of shoot up in the air. And then all of a sudden, I, I've, I've never seen this happen before. It's literally coming down back towards me and the ball lands six inches from the tee. 
No, that didn't happen, but it was a really good story. <laughs> that didn't happen, I promise you, it did not happen. But I'm telling you this, that when you golf in the wind, in these Idaho winds, it's super powerful. So what does the wind do? It disperses seeds. It regulates temperature, right? It cleanses the earth. What does the Holy Spirit do? It's a life-giving force. It brings about renewal, vitality, and power. Come on to believers. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is a game changer. In fact, I don't believe that you'll ever be able to do what it is that God has created and called you to do without the Holy Ghost active in your life. And let me tell you this. I really want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit doesn't fill you up so that you can be a natural follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit fills you up so that you can be a supernatural follower of Jesus. He wants to do things in and through your life that you cannot do by yourself. I believe in the supernatural. Charles Finney, which is a very educated man, very, very closed off to the things of the Holy Ghost, which you're going to see by his statement here. He was a good Presbyterian. He was a lawyer. He was, he, he knew all about the law. And so, so like studying the law and what I'm sure that was his, that was his bend, but he's known as the father of modern evangelism in the second great awakening. And this is what he said. But as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost without an expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was even such thing for me, without my recollection that I'd ever heard the thing mentioned by any other person in the world, the Holy Ghost descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. It seemed like the very... I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept out loud with joy and love, and I do not know, but I should say I literally bellowed out unutterable gushings of my heart. See, God wants to touch your life in a beautiful and a powerful and a positive way, and he wants to do it through the Holy Spirit. Number four, wind is refreshing and it revives. See, some need this. Some people are so sick in your soul and you're so hungry to have peace in whatever area, maybe a broken marriage, maybe a sickness in your body, maybe a child that is making bad decisions and you've tried every single thing that you know to try. You've tried it. You've been willing to, to go to counseling but I'm telling you this, that your answer may not be received in and through another human being. 
And in and through working things out in your mind or in and through giving you just the right words to share at the right moment with your son or your daughter that's bound in addiction. But what you need more than anything is the Holy Ghost in your life. You need an experience. Come on with the Holy Ghost. You know, when I was raised, we would wait on the Holy Spirit. When was the last time that you waited on the Holy Spirit? When was the last time that you prayed so much that you declared, God, I don't care if this takes me a half hour or if it takes me five hours, I am not going to remove myself from this posture until you do something in my life. We've got examples of this in the Bible. You've got Jacob, which his name meant deceiver, wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night until he received a blessing from him, walked away from that with a displaced hip. But when was the last time that you contended for anything such as this? When was the last time that you wrestled until God gave you some breakthrough? See, I was raised in this. We called it praying through. You stayed at the altar until you received what it is that you were looking to receive. Brother, what you need to do is you need to pray through. Sister, what you need to do, like, listen, I don't have the answer for you, but what you need to do is you need to pray through. You need to pursue God like you've never pursued God before. You need to contend for some things. You need to press in and you need to wait until God gives the answer and, and releases the blessing. When was the last time that this happened? Because the Holy Spirit is in the business of this. 2 Corinthians 3.17, for the Lord is... And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Lord who is the... Makes us more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So how is it that two people can go through similar things, but yet one person, they're both affected by it, they're both hurt by it, but it absolutely destroys one person, and the other person, come on, is still a man or a woman of faith and saying, you know what, I, I have some struggles from time to time, but everything is going to be okay. And I'm telling you, I believe it has everything to do with the Holy Ghost in your life. You know that you're not alone, even when you feel like you're alone. Because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You need the Holy Ghost. Please, I'm begging you, don't deny the third person of the Godhead. Don't deny, don't treat him like the stepson that is only, you know, he's only able to come out whenever it's convenient. Until then, he's got to remain in the back room because I know that I know that I know that some of you have been treating the Holy Ghost just like that. I don't understand it. Therefore, I'm not going to be open to it. And I've seen some things that seem silly, and so I'm shutting the door on the Holy Ghost. How do you receive the Holy Ghost? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? I want you to read, I don't, I don't have time, John 14, 15, 16, and 17. This has everything to do, come on, with, um, with it's, it begins with the Thursday night before the cross, which is, which is in celebration of a Jewish holiday of, of Passover. Come on, they're celebrating Passover Seder. Seder means order. 
There's, there's about 15 different things that happens on, at the beginning of Passover, and, and there's an order to those things, and this was that. So Jesus, Thursday night, he's celebrating Passover Seder with his disciples, the people that he loves, the people that he cares for. Jesus is getting ready for the cross. He knows that Friday's coming. And so they leave that place. They go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is in preparation for the cross. All of a sudden, he's arrested, right? People are losing ears. They arrest him. He's tried all night long. And then there's Friday. We call it Good Friday. It's good for us. It wasn't good. It wasn't good for him. He was hung on a cross and he paid, come on, for the sins of the world, past, present, and future, for those that are in Christ Jesus, the greatest gift that's ever been given to us, right? We're getting ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, but you need to know he was born to die. He was born to die. He was born, thank God he was born, but his mission in life was to, was to go to that cross, and so he's just gone to the cross to pay for the sins of the world. He goes to the garden. He's tried all night, goes to the cross. He's buried and resurrected. Do you know the night of the meal, the main topic of conversation, there were other things, but the main topic was the topic of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And so if you're getting ready to die and to leave people that you've spent the last three years with, the conversation that you're going to have is going to be a very focused conversation. His conversation largely was, was focused on the Holy Spirit. Then he dies and he's buried in a tomb for three days and he raises again on Sunday. And then all of a sudden for the next 40 days, he's presenting himself, come on, to his disciples. Some say 400, some say 500 different people during that time. He showed himself to a lot of people. And you know the majority of his conversation dealt with the Holy Spirit when he was having these conversations, right? One time he was, he, he literally the, the says that the Bible, the Bible says that he was, the disciples were hiding in fear behind the locked door. And then all of a sudden Jesus walks through the wall. And the first thing he says to them is, peace be with you. I can understand that because I'd be a little freaked out if somebody just showed up out of nowhere. And so what does he do in these encounters that he's having over these 40 days? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying things like, it was better for me to go so that you could have him. Have who? The Holy Ghost. John 20 and verse 22, he's at a table with his disciples and, and, he's, and he's presented himself to them. And the Bible says that, and with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is when the disciples were saved because you cannot be saved without the work of the cross. And so he's talked about all these things. Do you believe me? Will you follow me? Yes, yes, yes. Now that he's gone to the cross and been resurrected, he breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. That's whenever salvation took place in their life. You go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. Luke is talking about the same account of this happening that took place in John, Luke says this, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father's promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus at his ascension, he says, listen, go wait for the promise that I've already talked to you about, right? Go to Jerusalem, go into the upper room, wait for 120 were there. Fast forward to Acts chapter two. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says the spirit was poured out on, on those people that were there. See, but the word Pentecost, it really scares a lot of people. Be honest. Are you scared by the word Pentecost? Have you ever seen, have you ever talked to somebody and you're like, you're Pentecostal or? Uh. Be honest. Anybody? Come on. They, they've gotten weird names like Holy Rollers and just like, I know for a fact there's some people here that you're just like, yeah, I've heard some weird stuff. What's that? It's going to be a party, right? Pentecost. You know what Pentecost means? It means, this is scary, super scary. It means 50. 50 days after Passover is Pentecost. So that's what it means, like super scary. But there have been some weird things done in the name of Pentecost, maybe, maybe even done wrong, but yet some of the things that we would call weird are still from God and they're weird because they're unexplainable. And see, some people have shut the door to the very thing that you can't explain because you want to stay safe and, and, and just kind of in control. But the Holy Spirit is powerful. It's in control. He's in control. Come on, the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. And we like predictability. And all I'm saying is, if I'm talking to you, then open up to what it is that I'm saying. Don't allow things that have been packaged wrong by other people come on to scare you off whenever it comes to the Holy Ghost. In fact, the best thing that you could do, whatever aisle you're on the side of, some of you have been raised up, stay away from the Holy Ghost. Stay away from that Holy Ghost. Those people are so weird and, and they're just all about their feelings and stay away from that Holy Ghost. See, to you, what you need to do is get rid of the crazy things that you've been taught and go right back to the Bible and then you tell me if that's clean and it just makes sense how the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost in somebody's life is controllable or it makes sense. Oh, no, 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 that was cool back then, but he doesn't do that anymore. Liar. Because it says this promise is not only for you, but unto your children and your children's children as far off to anybody that will believe. But people want to keep it clean. They don't want to have anything to do with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you trust yourself more than you trust God. Acts chapter 2 and 12 says, amazed and perplexed. And so this outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens in the upper room. Man, they're prophesying. They're talking in languages that they have not learned. People can hear them in their own dialect, in their own language. It's just, it doesn't make sense. These are, these are people that are uneducated. It would make sense if they all had their doctorates and, and all of that. But this is just weird. And so... I want you to know that people were afraid of it when it first was shown up, and they're still afraid of it today. This is what it says. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Even to the point that they were making fun of those that were moving by the power of the Holy Ghost. You see it? 
Some made fun of them and said, ah, these people have had too much wine. Trying to explain it away. Then Peter stood up and begins his message, which ends up in 3,000 people giving their heart to Jesus. Peter stood up, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you other people that live in Jerusalem, listen carefully to what I'm about to say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. He's saying, listen, it's too early for them to be drunk. But how many of you know that they were drunk? They were drunk. They were acting in a way like a drunk person would act. Outside of the social norms, they were doing stuff that was absolutely different than normal people would do. This is why they began to make fun of them. This is why they began to try to, come on, figure this out in their own minds as to what was going on. But Peter goes on to say, he said, listen, what you're witnessing now was actually what was prophesied hundreds of years ago by the prophet Joel. My spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your men will dream dreams and see visions. Amen. This is that. He's saying this is that which is spoken all the way back here. But this is the deal is, is some people, like these people, they're thinking that this was just people being drunk, but it wasn't people being drunk. This was something that God was doing that made them look foolish. My question just for some of you that are so close to your chest and you won't do anything that doesn't make sense. Are you willing to be foolish for God to the point where it affects your pride enough that you don't care? Are you willing? Because you, you don't have to. It's not a salvation issue as we're going to see. Acts chapter 2 and 38, this is the key scripture that I was raised on. Peter replied, repent therefore and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness. The King James says the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It says here the Holy Spirit, but we're staying with ghost. The promise is for you and it's for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. See, this wasn't just for the Acts chapter 2 church. This wasn't just for the, the first church. This is for everybody that the Lord our God will call, which I am one. So number one, I got to hurry up. Get rid of fear and misunderstandings. See, the great way to share the gospel is literally to ask people, like you could go up to somebody that's, they don't believe in God or, or maybe they do, but they don't quite, they think that there's many roads to get to heaven. And you could just be like, hey, listen, man, how do you get to heaven? Oh man, that's easy. And usually when you'll ask a question like that, the answer that comes back is going to be the wrong answer nine times out of 10. How do you get to heaven? Well, this is how you get to heaven. You do more good in this world than you do bad. It's almost like God's got a scale. And as long as you got even an ounce better of good, like, whew, you made it. You know what I'm saying? But that's the wrong answer. And then what it does is it opens the door. You can say, well, man, I can totally understand why you're not real excited about heaven or you don't even really believe in hell because your belief about it is all wrong. Let, let me show you the Bible here. It says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
John 3, 16, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, what it is that I am offering you from Jesus is a gift that you can either receive or deny. It's not a matter of doing just a little bit better good than you did wrong. See, your understanding is wrong, but let me just tell you this, that hell is a real place. And you take him there and you talk about hell, but you talk about heaven and how Jesus said that he wishes that nobody would go to hell, but all people people will go to heaven, right? But not all people go to heaven. In fact, the, the, the road is broad, come on to hell, and the road is narrow to those that, that go to heaven. And so you walk in through all these things and you say, would you now like to receive Jesus Christ? Yes, I would. Yes, yes, I really would. And it's because the Holy Spirit is using your feeble attempt, the Holy Ghost. It's not your ability to convince them it's not your ability to intellectually, you know what I mean, sword fight with them. It's the Holy Ghost that does the work. And they say, yes, I need Jesus in my life. Whenever it comes to the Holy Ghost, I want you to know that the Bible in James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes down from the Father. Number two, ask God to give you everything that he has for you. Don't pull up short because you can. You can totally pull up short. Many people, heaven's going to be filled with people that didn't walk in the fullness of what it is that God had for them. They walked in enough. Don't settle. Ezekiel chapter 47. This is a, a prophetic word, a prophecy of the spirit moving in the New Testament. I'm going to go through it real quick. Just kind of paraphrase it. As the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. And then he led, the Bible says that then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. Somebody say ankle deep. The man went out another thousand cubits, measured it, and then he led me through the water, which was knee deep. Somebody say knee deep. Then he measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through the water, which was waist deep. Somebody say waist deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and it was over my head. The only way that I could, that I could negotiate the water was to swim. Somebody say dog paddle. So listen, I want you to know that if you're in the water, you're going to heaven. You're absolutely going to heaven because we go to heaven, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast, right? It's a gift of God. And so you're going to heaven if your toe's in the water. You receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal savior. But once again, you can go to heaven with your ankle in the water and still have a broken marriage and you don't get along with your kids and everything's messed up. You're in financial woes, but you're going to heaven. And guess what? You can, you can, you can go to heaven if you're knee deep, waist deep. See, there's three things that are in common with the first three steps. Number one, you're walking on the bottom. You have contact with the bottom of the water. When you're knee deep, you still have contact, all depending on how fast the water's moving. You may have to spread your legs out just a little bit. But guess what? Somebody say, I'm in control. Somebody say, I'm in control. You see where I'm going here. You go up to your waist. It's a little bit more difficult. I've crossed rivers up to my waist and you're off balance and you're one. But somebody say, I'm in control. But guess what? You're out in the middle of that thing and it's over your head. Come on, you're going to go. Your life is going to go where that river wants to take you. 
And so I'm telling you, you can, you can have as much of the Holy Ghost as you want. You can live your safe little life and be ankle deep in the water and this is totally controllable or you can wade out. See, some of you, your next step is literally to really enter into worship. And when you begin to enter into worship, come on, the Holy Ghost is gonna come on you. And, and, and you're going to sense and feel things that maybe you've never sensed or you haven't sensed and felt in a long time. Others of you, it might be serving, it might be giving, it might be going on a mission trip, but I'm telling you this, that God is always calling you higher, but you don't have to go. You don't have to go, and there are loads of people, come on, in the church today, even right here, that they're just like, this God is good enough. And he's saying, man, I got so much more for you. I got so much more for you. But when we get out into the middle of the river, man, he takes us where he wants us to go, and we're good with it. Why? Because where he takes us, it's the best place. Ezekiel chapter 47 and verse 9, it says this, the swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. And can I just tell you this? Your marriage that is dead, it might come to life in the middle of the river. Your bad attitude that is just bad and it's filthy and it's broken, it might come to life in the middle of the river where the spirit flows. Everything lives in the flow. Number three is this, create friendship with the Holy Spirit. You can get that already. Three things, how I experience the Holy Spirit. Number one, personally, I experience the Holy Spirit. He convicts me. He doesn't condemn me. He convicts me. He teaches me. He leads me. He guides me. He tells me what to stay away from and what to pursue. John 16, 8, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Why is it? So, so from time to time, and God bless you. I love it. It's good. From time to time, I will have people tell me, hey, pastor, you need to preach on this. And I'm like, man, God bless you. Thank you for that. Hey, pastor, you need to preach on this. And I just want you to know, if I've not preached on what it is that you brought across my, my mind, it's not because I don't value it. I'm just not going to listen to you more than I listen to the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, I will get to that. I will get to, to talking about that, but it's not because it wasn't my idea. I really just try, you know what I mean, to figure out, okay, where do we need to go next? And so, so one of the things that typically will come up, uh, that, that, that has come up in the past is like, pastor, man, you got to speak about sin more. And I'm like, I do. And then they'll, I'll, I've heard things like this, man, do you know who's here? You need to speak about sin more. In my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, you're here and I'm here. And <laughs> we all need to, you know what I mean? As if we are different than anybody else, which we're not. Everybody here deals with sin, Right. Amen. I just love that. You know who's here? Yeah, me, you, you, you're here. You need to talk about sin more. How many of you know that the Holy Ghost does a pretty good job of that? Like the Holy Ghost, if somebody is, is not turned their ears off to what the Holy Spirit is, is doing, if their conscience hasn't been seared, then they're going to hear just fine. 
You pray for them. You can encourage them. I'm not saying those conversations don't need to happen. Number two, the Holy Spirit guides me, John 16 and 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. That's, that whole what is to come doesn't make sense to any of you. Like the Holy Ghost can give you prophetic direction as to what is to come. Why? So that you can make ready and either go. Listen, man, I just drove a 26-foot U-Haul from Kansas to Idaho going through Wyoming. You know what I was doing about every 10 minutes? Not really. Every 10 minutes, 20 minutes, I was looking at Google Maps to see what roads were going to be closed. Because going through Wyoming this time of the year, it's not a matter of if the wind, the, the wind and, the, and the drifts are going to cause closure, it's when. And it can change quickly. And I've been stuck on that road. So the Holy Ghost can give you an idea as to what not to do and what to do. Isaiah 30 and verse 21, one of my favorite scriptures, it says this, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice right back here. Your ears are going to hear a voice right back here. This is that still small voice right behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. How many of you know that's the Holy Spirit? Number three, the Holy Ghost is my best friend. We can have our worship team come on up. He's my best friend. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit and my best friend in this world, in this world, is my wife. But I'm telling you this, that the Holy Spirit is even a closer friend to me than she is. She knows about everything that there is to know about me. But the Holy Spirit even knows more. And she's with me pretty much all the time. We spend a ton of time together. But how many of you know, she can't touch the time that I spend with the Holy Spirit. He is always with me. He never leaves me. He's always there. And you know what my best friend does? The Holy Spirit, my best friend, you know what he does? He encourages me. And I'm telling you, there's times in life where where I need encouragement from the Holy Spirit. I need something directly from God that I can't get even from, and this sounds crazy, I can't get it from my wife. I can't get it from my, my best friends. I can't, get it from, I can't get it from the best counselor, right? But I can get it from the Holy Spirit. Do you know this? It's very rare that I will ever step up on this stage without praying in the Holy Ghost before I do. Just to myself. Why? Because there's an edification that takes place. And I know and I realize that God, you, I need something more than myself, come on, to be able to do what it is that you're calling me to do. And I'm thankful for that encouragement. Sometimes I've been so afraid to take the stage and, and so insecure and then all of a sudden, just a few moments, 10 seconds of praying in the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm just like, come on, let's go, Travis. This isn't about you anyway. This is about him. Amen? I'm telling you, some of you need to open the door to the Holy Spirit in your life. And it begins with asking a question. Will you fill my heart, Jesus? Will you fill my heart with your Holy Spirit? Will you breathe upon me? God, empower me to do what it is that I can't do within my own strength, my own ability. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know what he'll do? He'll do just that. 
and just say, Lord, whatever it is, I'm not going to approach you, Lord. God, give me all of your Holy Spirit as long as you behave yourself. But God, I'm asking you to give me the Holy Ghost. And even as Charles Finney, he said, man, I've never even heard of this kind of experience. I've never been taught by it. I'm an educated man. I'm part of the Presbyterian church. I've not even heard about anybody teach on this. I've not heard about another person having an experience like this. But God, I'm open to everything that you have for me. How many of you here have a wife? Men, sometimes you have a wife that she'll buy a brand new comforter, put it on your bed, and it looks real nice. Anybody? How many of you enjoy a new comforter from time to time? How many of you have a wife that'll buy a new comforter, and then when it's time to go to bed, she'll fold it up and put it on the chair next to the bed? It's like, listen, man, that's called a comforter. And I can see why, because if you will let me sleep under it, it will give me comfort. Some people have no problem talking about the Holy Spirit, just like they have no problem calling that thing on their bed a comforter, but never brings comfort to their family. Why? Because it's for looks and show more than it is for purpose. I'm just saying this, that if you happen to be on the flip side of this thing where you've just been like, man, that Holy Spirit and those Holy Ghost people, I just don't, I don't get it. I would encourage you to open up your heart to the Holy Spirit. Begin to ask God, get rid of any preconceived ideas that you have, regardless of what side of the fence you're on and go with the Bible. Amen. Let the Bible interpret what the Holy Spirit is all about. And then just say, God, give me all that you have. Amen. We're going to worship guys. We're over. We're over. Yeah. Let's give him some praise just real quick. This is what we're going to do guys. We're not going to talk about giving. You know how to give. We can just go ahead and take care of that on your own. You know where it's at, but we're going to worship. This is one of my favorite songs. Jaina, thank you for blessing us, the whole team really, but I just, this is going to minister to you. Our prayer team, if you are part of our prayer team, come up up here. If you have prayer for any needs whatsoever, please come on up and let us pray for you. Let's worship the Lord. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.